Thank you for watching NTD Business Top Stories tonight. The latest batch of Twitter files has just been released. It details how the FBI tried to discredit the Hunter Biden laptop story to Twitter executives with an influence campaign. Elon Musk asks Twitter users if he should step down as head of Twitter. The majority say yes. And the World Cup generates billions of dollars in revenue. We take a look into how much money it makes and where it's coming from. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. The Twitter Files Part 7 dropped this morning. Investigative journalist and author Michael Schellenberger released them in a series of tweets. Part 7 presents evidence that the U.S. intelligence community tried to discredit the Hunter Biden laptop story before and after it was published. Now, mind you, Schellenberger says this is despite the fact that according to earlier Twitter files, the Hunter Biden story was, quote, wholly accurate. And yet Schellenberger tweeted that during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Twitter's former head of trust and safety, Yule Roth, to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. And a side note, Schellenberger revealed that as of 2020, there were many former FBI employees working at Twitter. That's including Jim Baker. He's a former general counsel of the FBI. Baker played a central role in making the case for an investigation of Donald Trump. It was revealed in the Twitter files that a FBI special agent had requested to give a classified briefing for Jim Baker without Ewell Roth present. And this is important, so keep that in mind. The classified briefing was a month before the Hunter Biden laptop story was released by the New York Post. Schellenberger said soon after it was released on October 14th, discussions were underway at Twitter about whether the laptop was legitimate and whether to limit the story's visibility. Jim Baker was seen arguing that the Hunter Biden materials could be fake. According to Schellenberger, shortly after Twitter executives bought into the idea that the laptop was fake. He said this is despite the fact that the New York Post had shown a picture of the receipt regarding the laptop signed by Hunter Biden himself. Regardless, Twitter decided to de-amplify the story. Schellenberger wrote, Joel Roth recently revealed that his mind had been primed to think about the Russian hacking group APT28 before the news of the Hunter Biden laptop story came out. And efforts to influence Roth also included a seminar that he participated in. Schellenberger suggested that the goal of this seminar was to shape how Roth would think about the Hunter story. We learn about DC leaks, and we learn about the intersection between APT28, a unit of Russian military intelligence, a hacking group. And so the morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post happens. And it was weird, right? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was, there was smoke. And ultimately for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter. But it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leak campaign alarm right, bells. So it looked possibly probably. It, everything about it looked you like a hack not- and leak. Schellenberger tweets that by December 2020, Baker and his colleagues even sent a note of thanks to the FBI for its work. 
Schellenberger con concluded that in the end, the FBI's influence campaign to discredit the Hunter Biden laptop story worked. And now joining us live to discuss what's just been revealed is Mike Davis. He's the founder and president of the Article 3 Project. He's also the former chief counsel for nominations to Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley. Now, Mike, from what you just saw in this batch of Twitter files, how would you describe the relationship, in your opinion, between the FBI and Twitter? Illegal. It is clearly an illegal relationship for the for government to collude with private actors to censor Americans. And that's exactly what they're doing on a very large scale. The only reason we are finding out about this is because Elon Musk, a benevolent billionaire, made a horrible investment of $44 billion to buy Twitter, and he has made it his cause to promote free speech. So this is very good what he's doing. Here's the problem. Just imagine if they have 80 FBI agents doing this at Twitter, that's $44 billion. Just imagine what they're doing at face at Facebook and at Google that are 25 times bigger than Twitter. No one can go in and buy Facebook or Google like Elon Musk bought Twitter. This is pervasive. This is very dangerous what the government is doing. It must stop. House Republicans must immediately investigate, uh, investigate this in January and put an end to this. And I think the longer term problem is, is we need to break up big tech because they have too much power, and the government can collude with them to censor, silence, deplatform, and cancel Americans. Now, let me point this out. The Twitter files said during uh, 2020, the FBI reportedly, repeatedly actually, told Twitter's Yul Roth to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation, even though, you know, Twitter said they're seeing very little Russian activity. So the question is, why do you think the FBI is doing this? I think the FBI has been at the top ranks of the FBI, not the rank and file. The rank and file are good men and women who are serving our country very well. It's the top ranks of the FBI, starting under Comey, that have been corrupted. And the FBI is corrupted to its core in these top ranks of the FBI. And there needs to be aggressive oversight of the FBI. They knew damn well that this New York Post reporting was accurate. They saw Hunter Biden's signature on the receipts for the laptop. They know this was not a Russian dis disinformation campaign. And two weeks before the 2020 election, they censored the New York Post, one of America's oldest newspapers. Not only did they take down the link, the, the stories off of uh, Twitter and Facebook, they actually made it where you couldn't even access the links on your computer. If the American people would have known that, President, uh, that then candidate Joe Biden was corrupted by Ukraine and Chinese uh, funding, they, he would not have won the presidential election. And that's why they had to do what they had to do. Now, you said this kind of relationship is illegal, but I wonder, is this common, this kind of relationship between law enforcement and a big company? Well, this is what, here's the problem. And, and actually, President Trump just put out some very good proposals on this, that when these, when these law enforcement agencies think that they are superheroes combating misinformation or disinformation, whatever the heck that means, that creates a very dangerous problem here. They need to start focusing on real crimes, real crimes online like child sex trafficking and uh, terrorism and all the other real crimes that we have online. It's not a crime for people to question elections in this country. It's only a crime to question elections in Marxist third world hellholes. And the government needs to get out of the business of censoring 
silencing, deplatforming Americans because they don't agree with their views. So just spell it out for us. For us, what's at stake here? Well, it's it, it's our you know the Democrats pretend they care about democracy. You cannot have a graver threat to democracy than big governments colluding with big tech monopolists to censor Americans, including one of America's oldest newspapers, so they can throw elections for one political party. This cannot continue to happen. We must break up big tech. We must get the federal government out of the censorship business. And this must end. This is actually, there was a Wall Street Journal opinion piece on this. That actually, this actually could be a criminal violation for the FBI, these FBI agents to do what they're doing because they are conspiring with private actors to violate Americans' rights. This cannot happen. And if it's not a crime, Congress needs to make this a crime. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you. And staying on Twitter, it seems users are wanting Elon Musk to step down as CEO. In his own Twitter poll, that is, Musk asked Twitter users yesterday, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. And as you can see here, a majority voted for him to step down. Out of 17 million Twitter users, 57.5% wanted him out. Musk hasn't updated us yet on the situation. Matt Sweetwood voted to have Musk stay on as head of Twitter. He's a Twitter power user, and his concerns are that Twitter might slip back into less visible moderation. But Sweetwood says Musk worded the poll in such a way that more people would actually likely be inclined to vote for him to step down. The poll was designed to have the result that it had in the end. I'm guessing that Elon Musk has um, a few other companies to run that are making a lot more money than Twitter. So if, you know, when you, whenever you think um, it's about free speech or it's about, you know, what's the right thing to do, I always say it's really about the money in the end. Sweetwood believes Musk wanted to leave anyway, and the poll is just a PR way of getting out. He says moderating tweets probably isn't the best use of Elon Musk's time. He's running multiple companies. I mean, I run one company and my, my time is completely full. I can't even imagine running three companies like that. So he needed to get out. His other companies include SpaceX, the Boring Company, which bores underground tunnels to help traffic congestion, Neuralink, which inserts a chip into a person's brain, and of course, electric vehicle maker Tesla. Wedbush Securities Analyst Dan Ives, someone who's been following Twitter and Elon Musk closely, he says it's time to end the nightmare of Musk as CEO of Twitter. He says the whole thing has been bad for Tesla stock and that it's hurting Musk's brand. 90% of Musk's wealth is in Tesla. I mean, Tesla continues to be the golden child. That is ultimately the way that he bought Twitter, you know, through Tesla. So, you know, this is really going to be. I think very important for him to focus back on Tesla at a very important time in terms of where we see electric vehicles. Business law professor Nicholas Creel believes another reason Musk may want to leave is the loss of advertising revenue. Creel cites a Media Matters report that was published last month. The other big thing that's hitting Twitter right now financially is a loss of advertising revenue. We've seen Twitter right now have about the top 50 of the 100 publishers on Twitter pull back on advertising this year to the tune of about a loss of $750 million a year. Well, why are they doing that? 
Elon Musk is a huge part of that. He's volatile. He is somebody who really likes to make headwinds regularly with his tweets, doing a lot of controversial things. Advertisers aren't really happy with that. They don't want to be associated directly with that. So a big issue now is how Twitter will survive without Musk in charge. The company struggled to make a profit before he bought it. It reported a net loss in eight of the past 10 years. And now it has an estimated $1 billion in interest payments every single year. But Twitter power user Matt Sweetwood says we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Anybody who conjectures about Twitter's business without really seeing the books is just absolutely guessing. You know, when it comes to when it comes to the finances of a company, the devil is in the details of what's in those books, what's in the revenue stream. He believes there's a lot of business streams that can generate significant revenue. For example, if Twitter can fix the ad model, collect the blue check fees, improve video, monetize content, and so on. So then the key question is, who will be Twitter's next CEO? Musk tweeted that there is no successor and that no one wants the job to actually be able to keep Twitter alive. Scientist Lex Friedman suggests that he could run Twitter for a bit. He wrote on Twitter, no salary, all in, and focus on great engineering and increasing the amount of love in the world. Musk responded that Lex must like pain a lot and that he'd have to invest his life savings to have the job. We don't know for sure if Musk is serious, but if he is, it certainly reflects the, quote, extremely hardcore mindset. And moving on. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried back in jail today after appearing at a court hearing about his extradition to the United States. The hearing was cut short. Bankman-Fried's attorney reportedly requested the adjournment because he hadn't been properly consulted about the proceedings. He was expected to tell the judge that he will not fight extradition to the U.S. where he faces multiple charges related to FTX's collapse. Bankman-Fried was arrested last week in the Bahamas and was denied bail. Federal prosecutors say Bankman-Fried stole billions of dollars in FTX customer deposits to stem losses at his crypto hedge fund Alameda Research. They've accused the 30-year-old of misleading lenders and investors, conspiring to launder money and violating campaign finance laws. Bankman-Fried has acknowledged failures at FTX, but he said he doesn't believe he's criminally liable. Qatar spent an estimated $200 billion hosting the World Cup, which they plan to make back over time. And $440 million in prices will go to the teams from FIFA. But where does that money come from? NTD's Sean Marshall has more details on World Cup revenue. All 32 teams in the 2022 FIFA World Cup earned a piece of a $400 million plus purse. Argentina will earn $42 million in prize money for the Argentine Football Association, while France, despite its loss, earned $30 million for the French Football Federation. How much each player receives varies, but where does the money come from? Federation Internationale de Football Association, or FIFA for short, controls the sport of soccer known as football in most countries. FIFA says it's earned an unprecedented $7.5 billion in revenue through four years of commercial deals tied to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. The earnings from this World Cup cycle are $1 billion more than those generated from the 2018 tournament in Russia. FIFA's revenue is generated by high bids for television, marketing, and licensing rights for major soccer events that FIFA organizes. 
According to S&P Global, 11% of the money is flowing in from hospitality rights and ticket sales, 5% from licensing rights, and 9% from other revenues. But the main sources are marketing rights at 26% and 49% from television broadcasting rights. FIFA is expected to make $3.5 billion from television rights alone for the 2022 World Cup. Back in 2010, Fox and Telemundo won the bidding war against ESPN and Univision for the television rights of all FIFA sporting events until 2026. During the World Cup in Russia, Fox sold a 30-second ad slot for an average of almost $438,000, and Telemundo generated approximately $300 million in ad revenue during the 2018 World Cup. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And on Wall Street, stock indexes closed lower today for the fourth session in a row. The Dow lost 163 points, or half a percent. S&P fell 35 points, or nine-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq dropped 159 points, or 1.5%. Fortnite creator Epic Games will pay $520 million to settle allegations that it illegally collected children's personal information. The video game developer will pay a record penalty of $275 million for violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. The Federal Trade Commission said the company will also pay $245 million to refund customers who were duped by so-called dark patterns. According to the FTC, the deceptive interface design tricked users into making purchases they didn't intend to make. The announcement comes as the FTC takes a more robust role in policing the gaming industry. Children's privacy advocates welcomed the more than half a billion dollar settlement. And the director of the CIA is warning about the dangers and risks posed by TikTok. He's highlighting the Chinese regime's control over the social media platform. Here are the details. CIA Director William Burns discussed social media platform TikTok in an interview with PBS last Friday. Burns said he agrees with FBI Director Christopher Wray's assessment that TikTok is a threat to national security. I think it's a genuine concern, I think, for the U.S. government um, in the sense that because the parent company of TikTok is a Chinese company, um, the Chinese government um, is able to, you know, insist upon extracting the private data of a lot of TikTok users in this country and also to shape the content of what goes on to TikTok as well to suit the interests of the Chinese leadership. I think those are real challenges and, and a source of real concern. Many federal agencies have already banned TikTok from government-owned devices. These agencies include the White House, the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security, and the State Department. As you know, some American uh, lawmakers want to ban hmm. TikTok. Do you think that's a good idea? Well, you know, in my role, see, this is where blessedly is an intelligence in an intelligence role. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not going to offer judgments on those kind of policy or legislative decisions. What I would underscore, though, is that it's genuinely troubling um, to see, you know, what the Chinese government could do to manipulate TikTok. Burns has this recommendation for people using the app. And what would you recommend people tell their children or their uh, young friends about whether to use TikTok? No, I'd be really careful. Last week, the Senate passed a bill to bar all federal employees from using TikTok. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also supports the move. A spokesperson for Pelosi said that she supported appending it to a government funding bill. The bill is set to go to the House floor this week. If the House approves the TikTok provision, the Senate would have to add a similar ban to its version of the spending bill.
That's before the bill could go on to President Biden for signature. And we're going to take a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, kids on break for the holidays? We have tips on healthy ways to keep them entertained. And the pricey Avatar sequel debuts in theaters. How to do at the box office over the weekend. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. If your holiday joy is fading at the thought of entertaining your kids over winter break, you're not alone, to be honest. In this next story, we have some healthy ways to keep them busy without the use of screens this holiday season. School is out and kids are home for the holidays. What now? It's important to kind of have a plan of what you're going to do with your kids. Cleveland Clinic pediatrician Gina Robinson says to let them sleep in some, but try to keep them to a regular schedule so as not to throw them off when it's time for school again. She says keeping them entertained should not include loads of extra screen time. While a little more than usual is acceptable over the holidays, Robinson says it's important to set a limit. If your kids know beforehand that there is a time for screens and there's a limit on screens, then it doesn't tend to be such a big battle in the moment. Cooking or baking holiday cookies and treats allows for some time together. You can also go to the library to find some cookbooks or holiday books to read over the break. They can learn about how holidays are celebrated in different countries or different traditions. So it's a really good time to do that. Robinson says watching movies together, going to a museum, or volunteering to help someone else during the holidays are all healthy ways to keep kids busy. Just getting your kids involved and thinking about the idea of giving back and giving and how good that feels as well as receiving. And if weather allows, get outdoors. While Robinson says having a plan for the winter break is good, there's really no need to plan out every minute of each day. She says, make some time for relaxing as well. The long-awaited Avatar sequel fell short of ticket sales forecasts on its debut weekend. However, box office experts said it was too soon to judge whether the movie would recoup its huge costs. Avatar The Way of Water racked up roughly $435 million around the globe, according to Disney. It made $134 million in the United States and Canada. Pre-release, it was predicted to make $140 million domestically, and as much as half a billion worldwide. Director James Cameron said the movie, A Return to the World of the Blue Navy People, needs to make about $2 billion to break even. Disney has not disclosed the budget and marketing costs. Despite failing to reach projections, its global total made it the third highest Hollywood opening of the health crisis. That's according to analytics firm Comscore. And analysts said it would draw large family audiences over the holiday period. One expert described the second Avatar installment as built for the long haul. And someone just paid big bucks to make the song lyrics E.T. Come Visit Me come true. The animatronic alien in Steven Spielberg's 1982 sci-fi classic E.T. The Extraterrestrial sold for $2.56 million at auction. The filming model was created by Oscar-winning special effects master Carlo Rambaldi in 1981, long before the advent of CGI. 
With facial expressions, neck movements, and 85 points of articulation, it was considered an engineering masterpiece at the time. All that detail imbued the big-eyed alien with a childlike innocence that audiences fell in love with. E.T. melted hearts around the world, and the film won four Oscars at the 1982 Academy Awards, including Best Visual Effects. And that's all the stories from the NTD business team today and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.